Christ. They don't even see the Messiah necessarily as part of the Trinity or part of, or, or, that is, that he's God. He's just the one that's sent. And, uh, you know, I don't know what, what they believe or what they see now, but, well, we can see it. We have the New Testament shining light back on that Old Testament scripture, and we see when God said, let us, we know exactly what's going on there. That's the Father and the Son having a conversation. And we see the Trinity of God. Elohim is the word there. It means plural or gods, but we know it's not multiple gods. We know it's one God and three persons. And so let us make man in our image after our likeness and let, let them. So now we're talking about them as man. That's mankind, man and woman, mankind. <laughs> Today that's not very well accepted. You can't even use the term mankind. I think it was the Prime Minister of Canada said that, and then he come back and somebody was offended by him talking about mankind, so he came back and apologized. But he used the term mankind. This is so silly. Um, then he says, <clears throat> let's see, let them have let's see, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female, created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and the fowl of the air, and over every living thing, that moveth upon the earth. So we're talking about Adam and Christ being compared. Now this past this verse here to me, and then Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, are the two, to me, the two main things you want to know about Adam. If, you, if you're studying about Adam, you see here God made him in his likeness. In chapter 3, verse 17, the Lord says to Adam, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the earth. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return into the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. So you see, the two things here is that God made Adam in his image, and then Adam fell. <laughs> that image is marred. And so God made man, and though you put those two together, you know quite a bit about Christ. Go to the New Testament, Romans chapter 5, and I'll go ahead and turn there. We see exactly what happened, and we begin to see how that Adam is a picture of Christ. Now if you just read in your Old Testament, you wouldn't know that, that he's a picture of Christ. But with the New Testament, it's pretty clear. Romans chapter 5. Verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for, for that all have sinned. For unto the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. So the law was in, wasn't here yet. God hadn't instituted his law through Moses, but people were still dying. What happened? Well, 
It was because sin was in the world. Now that God hadn't specifically given all these instructions and say, if you do this, you're going to die. But he did tell Adam that, and Adam represented us. Therefore, we all die, and we all have sin. In verse 14, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Who is what? The figure of him that was to come. So it's the image, the figure. Adam was a figure of him to come. A lot of people might think, well, how could Adam be a picture of Christ? Adam was the sinful one. Christ is the righteous one. Because it's not only a comparison, but there's a contrasting. And so here's one man. Here's the other man. Here's the man who messed everything up. Here's the man who comes and fixes everything. <laughs> and, and, it, and it goes on and on. The pictures continue to happen. There's one man here, one man here. Notice there, verse 15, notice verse 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God in the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. So here you begin to see more of a contrast. Here's one man. But what did he do? He sinned. And you see that it was an offense. And because of that offense, many be dead. And that offense passed on because he represented those that came after him. Adam sinned. We all came from Adam. Therefore, that sin passed on to us. Well, then here we see the gift of grace, which is by one man. So here we go. One man and brings a gift of grace, and it hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses under justification. So now we see condemnation, justification. One brought death, one brought life. One brought condemnation, one brought justification. And uh, so, so we can continue to see this. We've got the federal headship of Adam over all mankind. We've got the federal headship of Christ over all of his people. And with these times, again, and, and, you, and you grow about a cubit if you get this, <laughs> there's not only comparisons, but contrasting. If I just said that without showing you scripture, you're like, well, you can't con contrast the type. Yeah, it can, can be contrasting also. It can be the opposite of it. And that's a picture of it to show you something, trying to teach you something. And so we have that. We, uh, we, we see that both represent us. One represents us in our sin. One represents us in righteousness. One represents us in death. One represents us in life. One represents us in our condemnation. The other one represents us in our justification. And so we're declared sinful in Adam. You realize that, right? So we said, if you could keep the law perfectly, then you would go to heaven. <coughs> You wouldn't need Christ. That's a lie. Because you're born in Adam with sin, condemnation already on your head. Through Adam. <laughs> so it wouldn't matter if you kept the law or not. It's imputed to your account. When Adam sinned, it was imputed to you. And so Christ came and what did he do? He imputed his righteousness to us. Again, another contrasting. We were made sinners by Adam. Made righteous by Christ. You see the picture there. So comparisons are involved in the times of Christ, but also contrasting. Uh, Jesus, <clears throat> by the way, is always better. So as we, as we look at different types of pictures of Christ, whether it's a person, a place, a thing, an event that occurred, a story in the Bible that pictures Christ, 
Christ is always better than that. If it's contrasting, that's obvious. Christ is better than this bad thing, or he's a good thing. But if it's a comparison, here's a good thing that pictures Christ as a good thing. He's still better. Sure. He's better than Moses. The book of Hebrews tells us that. Moses is a good thing. <laughs> he's better than the tabernacle. The tabernacle is a good thing. Better than the temple. The temple is a good thing. Better than the priesthood. The priesthood is a good thing. But he's still he's always better, whether it's contrasting or comparing. Jesus is better. You can always make that a rule. Whenever you see the type or a picture, Jesus is better. And that's why there's no complete types, and that's why there's so many of them. The whole, now, I, I think you, after a few weeks of this, you can kind of see how that the whole Old Testament is just chock full of what's really about. One picture after another, another angle, another look, another, you know, another taste of what, who's to come, which is Christ. And it's all through there. And every time you see something, you realize that it takes all of these to picture this one man. This one person takes that whole Old Testament and every event, everything that happens, every person, every place, <coughs> everything going on, and even like wicked people in the Bible, they're a contrast. King Nebuchadnezzar, you know, and you go on and on, you think all these different people, it's contrasting Christ. Everything's picturing Christ somehow. And it takes all of that. Not one picture can do it. That's how incredible he is. Can't, one picture can't do it all. So it takes a whole Bible to show us that and to, to make it stand out to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. <clears throat> now if you move. One that's lighter, one that's brighter, one that's greater than the other. 
another glory of the stars, and one star differed from another star in glory. So just like the Lord made all the different stars, and to him, he sees the different glory of the different stars, each one of us will have a body, and we have a body now that he made the way he made it, and then we'll have a body then the way he decides for us to have a body. <laughs> and so also is the resurrection of the dead. So if you think you have a market cornered on <laughs> what bodies are <laughs> and, and how God does that, you're not going to have it because this is so vast. It's as vast as the stars are different. God's going to work in each person in the resurrection. Isn't that amazing? And he's going to give you that exact life, body, eternal soul that he has planned for you. So the resurrection of the dead is that way. It's sown in corruption, but it's raised in incorruption. And there's a the part I like. I don't know what it's going to be like, but I know it's incorruptible. <laughs> and I know I'm living in sin now, and I won't have it then. It's sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, and it's raised in power. It's sown in natural body, and it's raised in spiritual body. Now, when it says spiritual body, it doesn't mean it's not physical, because we still have, we'll be raised in our body. It's a real body, but it's a spiritual body in the sense that it's, it's not of this world anymore. Like Christ, when we see here in a minute, he's the Lord from heaven. There's a heavenly body and there's a earthly body. Adam's of the earth. We'll see that in a minute. So we'll have that heavenly body. <clears throat> it's only a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. There's a natural body and there's a spiritual body. And so it is written, because of that reason, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. And the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. So, now that takes a whole other step there. The Lord made Adam out of the dust of the ground. He had a body. He breathed into him life through the Spirit. And he became a living soul. And so that's the, the living soul, the life that Adam had. But Christ is beyond that. He's a, he's a life-giving spirit. He's a person that can say, Cindy, wake up. Come to me. You have life. Adam didn't do that. And how be it that that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural after that which is spiritual. So as we see time play out in this world, the first thing that happened was there was a natural man made. But then we see Christ come. The spiritual man came. The first man is of the earth. And remember, that's not earthly. It's earthy. He's made from the dirt. But the second man is the Lord from heaven. Christ wasn't made from the dirt. Realize that Christ wasn't made from the dirt. He didn't come from Mary. He came through Mary. But he wasn't made of the earth. He wasn't of the earth. His body was from heaven. God prepared him a body. And he came down. God made that. Now how he did it, I don't know. And no matter what your opinion is about that, about Christ and his body, we all end up in the same place. We have no idea what in the world happened <laughs> inside the womb of Mary. Other people fuss with me because I believe Jesus was a man no prior to that, which is obvious in the Bible. I don't know why you can argue it. But I, I, I'll tell them, we all end up at the same spot. I read it, reading after John Gill, John Gill said that the Lord took, how, how, does, how do you get a sinless man out of a sinful woman? And John Gill said this, I thought it was hilarious, but I mean, and he's way smarter than me. He said the Lord took a Mary's substance and purified it. <laughs> So if you think that, it, it just goes to show, if you think that the, that the Lord, Jesus Christ, received his manhood from Mary, that he actually got, that he actually became a man from Mary, 
You'll come up with all kinds of crazy stuff. But the Lord did that. How he did that, I don't know. The Lord made it. The Lord prepared it. And so the, the first is of the earth. But the second one is from heaven. And as is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. So we're just like that. Because we're of the earth. We're made out of earth. As is the heavenly, so are they that are heavenly. What's that mean? Well, we're raised. We won't be earthy anymore. We'll be heavenly, like Christ. And that's what he came to do for us, to take us from this Adam to that Adam. We're represented by this Adam now, and in, and in a sense we're also represented by Christ. But then ultimately, being represented by Adam, we're going to be gone. And we're not going to be earthy anymore. We're going to be heavenly. And as we have, verse 49, born the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. So just like we've had this earthy body, we're going to end up in that. What's it going to look like? What's it going to be? I don't know. But I think the more that I study, the more I think about it, and you just look at Scripture, you don't, you don't have any ideas from like a systematic theology book or anything. You just read through your Bible. It looks like we're going to be just like we are now. We're going to be just talking and looking and touching and feeling, and, but there's no sin. That's the glory of it. That's the glory of it. We're going to go through eternity like that. We'll have these bodies. We'll look at each other, know each other, everything. I think that's wonderful. <laughs> and no sin involved whatsoever. The capacity that, well, our capacity to understand God is hindered right now because of sin. We won't have that be able to begin to really learn about God throughout eternity. And so we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. And flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom, so we have to have that resurrection. Did you have something, Brother Dan? No. Okay, you're looking at me like So we have these inheritors. <laughs> What's that? Just paying attention. Okay, and, and you know, sometimes I think when I'm teaching something like this, I, I remember John Reynolds was a pastor down in uh, East Texas, mind my uncle pastor that church now. And somebody was talking about a sermon and said, boy, that sure was deep. And he was standing outside and there was a mud puddle there. He said, he started up and he said, is that deep or is it just muddy? <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if it's just muddy. But Adam was made in the image of God. And then we were made in, in his image. We're made in the image of God because we're made in the image of Adam. So go back to Genesis 1 again. And I think the best way to do this is just keep looking at all these comparisons and, and see how Adam represents Christ. As we talked about earlier, the Father speaking to the Son. And it's Elohim, the triune God. In verse 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now that, that's, that's not an easy thing to grasp. That Adam was made in the image, the likeness of God. And I think about what was God? We know in the beginning was the Word, right? The Word was with God. The Word was God. So there was something compared there. And how do you see that? Well, I think of Proverbs chapter 8. Christ, talking about Christ being the wisdom of God. He was brought up with the Father. He was there. Go to Proverbs 8. Holy place there.
don't have a problem with this. I've had people say, well, that's just talking about wisdom. But who is our wisdom? It's always Christ. It doesn't matter what it is, it's always Christ. Um, and Christ taught us that. And then it does He told us that. That all the prophets proclaim him. In verse 22 of Proverbs 8, The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his ways before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting from the beginning or ever the earth was. When there was no depths, I, I was brought forth. When there was no fountains abiding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills was, uh, I brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world, when he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, and he, and he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave to the sea its decree that the water should not pass, his commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth. I'm always fascinated that the scriptures talk about the sea. The Lord just put, why didn't the water come up on the, up on the land, on the ocean? And so the moon's doing that. The moon's doing that? I understand that the cycle works that way, and the tide goes in and out. It's not the moon doing that. The Lord's holding the water back. And whenever, whenever there's a tsunami, that's the Lord. Right? He comes up on there. Then I was by him as one brought up with him. I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the habitable parts, habitable part of the earth. My delights were with the sons of men. Now, how could his delights be with the sons of men when they, the sons of men weren't made yet? Because God, you know, He speaks of those things that are not as though they were. Now, therefore, hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways, hear instruction, and refuse it not. So you see that Christ was there with the Father in the very beginning, before the earth was ever, ever, ever made. And Jesus is the same when? Yesterday, today, and forever. And so when you think about Adam being made in the image of God, we don't have to stretch out very far to find out what the image of God is. Christ is the image of the invisible God. First, or Colossians 1.15 Christ is the image of the invisible God. Over to the book of Hebrews chapter 1. So Adam and Christ, they just intersect over and over. <clears throat> chapter 1 and verse 2. The Lord in these last days he's spoken to us by his son, Hebrews 1, 2. Whom he hath appointed heir of all things, but whom also he made the worlds. And if I don't get to it before our time's up, you know that the Lord gave Adam dominion over everything in this world. And then what did he do with Christ? He appointed him to be heir of what? All things. Everything is his. See the, see the picture of Adam and Christ there? And who being in the brightness of his glory. So if you look at the glory of God, and the very brightness of that glory, that's Christ. And the express image of his person. Now that express image is not the same as a mirror image. Adam is a mirror image of God. But Christ is the exact imprint. Remember what he said to Philip? Philip said, show us the Father. He said, I've been so long time with you and you don't know me. I can explain that to you. <laughs> you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What's that mean? Because Christ is the image of the Father. He's the image. And he's not, and it's more than just my son bears my image. It's more than that. 
He's appointed to be the image of If you see Christ, and that's the only way you're going to see God. Not until one day we learn more about it. <laughs> and, and, Christ, and God becomes all in all at the end of the millennial reign. I don't know what that means. But there's going to be something to that. It's different than just us meeting Christ. We're going to see something we don't understand yet. But now, the only way you're going to know God is through Christ. And that's the image of you see Christ, you've seen God. You've seen everything about God. All the fullness of the Godhead dwells in the body. The Lord Jesus Christ. It's fascinating to me. And then Adam was made in his image. So here in Hebrews 1, we see he's the brightness of God's glory. He's the express image of his person. And he was upholding all things by the word of his power. And he purged our sins. It's the express image of his person. The exact image of God. Not just a mirror picture. But you see him. You see God. You're looking at him. And just like he told Philip. And it, if that doesn't blow your mind. I've been so long with him. You don't know me. I am God. I'm here. I'm standing here. I am God. That's me. I mean, and that's the reason they killed him. He kept saying I am I am. He's the self-existing one. And so he's the image of the invisible God. And we've seen in the Old Testament scripture all about Christ. So what could it be that God is, that man is made in Christ's image? Or God's image, I mean. How could that be? I'll tell you what they teach in seminary. They teach in seminary that there's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And man is body, soul, and spirit. And it's 1 Thessalonians 5. We preserve you holy, body, soul, and spirit. So we're body, soul, and spirit, which is a, a trichotomy, or three parts, body, soul, and spirit. Some people say, no, we're a dichotomy. We're only body and spirit. Well, you can separate soul and spirit and put it back together. Good for you. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> so I just go with the trichotomy. You know, and I know it's really difficult to, to define the difference between a soul and a spirit. But the way I define the difference is God made Adam from the dust to the ground. He's a body. You breathe the spirit into him. With that spirit and body connection, then you have a living soul. And Christ had that. He, had, he was a living soul. His soul was made an offering for sin. He, uh, Isaiah 53. He gave his soul. So he had body and spirit connected, soul life. And we believe into the saving of the soul. When the body's raised, the spirit comes back, and we have that eternal soul, the soul life that we're going to have with the Lord. So how could it be that Adam was made in the image of God. Was it Father, Son, and Spirit? Were body, soul, and spirit? I never have been able to make that add up. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't work. You say Father, Son, Spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. Now I can get spirit and spirit. That adds up. Soul, Father, maybe, I don't know. The body. How could that be? We're bodies. We're made that. He was made in the image of God. Not just some type of spiritual vague something. Everything else in the Bible, if we took it that uh, spiritual and just figurized it and just made it walk on four legs and say whatever we wanted to say, we wouldn't go for it. If you took the doctrines of grace and you taught them that way, nobody would, nobody would like it. I mean, no, no Baptist in the world would like it. So it's literal. It means what it says. We're made in the image of God. So how is it that we're made in the image of God? Christ, body, soul, and spirit. Adam was made, body, soul, and spirit. Now you can say that Christ had a body before that or after, it doesn't matter. But that's the one that we made by. And that, that's, that's how his body, soul, and spirit. Christ and Adam are the same. And he was made just like 
Christ. And then that was Mark. He didn't have the power of Christ, but he was made in his image like that. And so, in the image of God, body, soul, and spirit. And again, think with me, Christ is greater. So there's nothing that happened in Adam that's going to be that great. But Christ is greater. Adam was made in the image of God. And Christ is the image of God. To me, it adds up pretty easy. It's pretty easy to add that up. He's made like Christ. <laughs> and you say, well, but Christ hadn't come yet. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. How you slice it up? It's about Christ. It's pointing us to Christ. And we're made in that image also. We're made in that image. In the image of Adam, which is made in the image of God. And so the image then was what? It was marred. It was tainted. It was just right. It was perfect. And then Adam sinned. And that was more, and that's what we have. What's, what's Christ going to do with that? He's going to come and restore it. So the pictures just keep rolling, don't they? Between Adam and Christ. Adam's made like him. Then he's made like Adam. Isn't that amazing? Adam's made like him, and then he comes into the world. How is it that he's made like Adam? Well, he took on flesh and blood. Now he can suffer. Now he can hunger. They could eat before, but he wasn't, didn't want hungry. <laughs> but now he's hungry. Now he's tired. You realize how he suffered too, by the way? You ever heard anybody fa uh, fasting for 40 days and 40 nights? I don't mean to get off too far, but how can somebody fast for 40 days and 40 nights and not die? Because Christ didn't die until he went to the cross. So he gave up his own spirit. He can still be fasting. You realize that? Just imagine how, how, how bad his organs were damaged fasting 40 days and 40 nights. How much suffering he actually went through. You couldn't do that. You'd die. So anyway, that, that's amazing. But so, <clears throat> as we look at that, Christ is going to restore everything that Adam lost. Adam was given dominion. But then that was marred also, that dominion. You say, well, we have dominion over the earth. Well, go get it. <laughs> you got to fight sin. you got to fight Satan. You gotta, yeah, you got it, but it's messed up. That's right. Yeah, everything's trying to eat you. But the picture's still there. We were given it. We have it, but... And somebody said, well, we forfeited it to Satan. I don't see a scripture for that. He stole it. And he's fighting for it. And we have to deal with that. It's marred. Everything that God made is marred. Because of that, we share it now with Satan and sin in this world. Uh, Christ's dominion, though, is greater. Christ's dominion is greater. He has dominion over everything. So when you see that, you say, well, Adam was given dominion. That was marred. We, we have it. Yeah, we have it, but we're marred. But Christ has dominion. You say, well, he's going to come have dominion one day. No. There's another picture. You see that actually he has dominion over everything that's ever happened. <laughs> Complete dominion. So Adam was made to picture that. And so the pictures keep going. All things will one day then be put under his feet. All things. That means everything's going to recognize that he has dominion. But he has it already. There's a day coming when everyone will recognize that. Adam was to be fruitful and multiply. Now, you may think I'm stretching here, but just think with me. How could that picture Christ going to all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, saving his people, be fruitful, multiply the church? Go forward like that. Then the picture of Adam and Eve in the church. 
Adam and Eve and Christ in the church. Is that me? You know what that is? All right, Mr. Okay, picking it up. Ephesians chapter 5. Let's go there. So how is it that Adam and Eve picture Christ in his church? And this gets pretty good. Ephesians 5, 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he's the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He, and remember that. We're to love as our own body, right? Love your wife as your own body. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. That's more than just vague language. Because Eve was taken from Adam. She is him. She's made from him. And so, he said, and that's the picture. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they, they too shall be one flesh. And this is a great mystery. I speak concerning Christ and the church. It's a great mystery because I'm certain that those people that, and by the way, people tell you you can't interpret the Bible unless you interpret it with the original intent to the people that it was written to the first time. Well, I don't think the Jews that got Moses' writing had a clue that the church was coming and that that was a picture. So that rule goes out the window. <laughs> you interpret the Bible according to context. And that's how you do it. So, so here we see Christ and his church pictured by Adam and Eve in their marriage. And every marriage after that, even if it's an ungodly couple, it pictures Christ and his church to becoming one. And that's the type. That's the picture there. And Adam was alone. And the Lord said, it's not good for man to be alone. So I'll make him a helper. It would be fit for him. Well, in the beginning was the word. What else was there? You realize that the church was the plan from the very beginning. The church was the plan from the very beginning. The Lord's church. You get to be a member of it. Is that not boggling? <laughs> from the very beginning, Adam was long. It wasn't good. Adam was long. He wanted, he wanted a wife. And he did this whole plan for that. At least the big part of it is for that. And all the Old Testament was just leading us to the church that Christ would have his bride. And you see back there in uh, Genesis 2, verse 18, the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. I'm going to help me. So he'll have somebody. So out of the ground, he, he formed everything that he made. And then Adam, uh, in verse 21, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. So Adam went to sleep. Did Christ ever go to sleep? 
went to the grave, and the Bible over and over says sleep. He went to the grave, and what, what happened when, when Christ died? Pierced him aside. What happened with Adam? The Lord took a rib out of him. And he said, this is bone of bone, my bone and flesh of my flesh. So it's a chunk, <laughs> right? What happened to Christ? He was spirit in the side. What happened to Adam? He was the only person wounded in the garden. Christ, the only person with wounds in heaven. Pictures just keep going on and on. And what did that do? Well, it made him a helpmate that was perfect for him. What did that do? And what did Christ do? He made himself a helpmate. Out of him comes the church. Out of his sacrifice. And that's all spiritual compared to the literal. But ultimately, it's actually literal because Adam was made in his image. So it keeps folding in on itself as, as you study it. So we'll, we'll get back to this. We're, we're running out of time now. But Eve was made from Adam to make a helping for him that was perfect. The church is made from Christ. And, and now the Lord, he sends his spirit into our heart, gives us life. We're partakers of his nature in a spiritual sense. So when Adam looks at Eve, he says, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. We're one. That's what Christ says about his church. I'm going to make this people me. I'm going to send my spirit into their heart, and they're going to have a part of me in them. And then we're going to be one. And that's his prayer in John 17. By the way, he's praying for his church in John 17. That they would be one with me as I am with them and with you, Father. There, there the father comes back in the picture, right? <laughs> that we'd all be one together. And that's the picture of marriage. And that's what the Lord's going to do with this church. When he comes back in Revelation 19, she made herself ready. He's going to marry his bride. And they'll be one together. And so we'll stop. We'll go ahead and stop there. And we'll pick back up. I don't know. I don't know if Brian's going to be the next week or not. Yes. Hope that's a blessing.